0: Welcome to episode 45 of The False Neutral. I'm Pete. Eric is with me today. Garrett is busy improving himself and being a student. So uh, he's uh, going for a nursing degree, I believe. I believe that's correct. Yeah. He's uh, being responsible and actually getting a degree that will make him money. Yeah. Uh, I think every hospital in the world is looking for nurses, so. Mm -hmm. That's probably a very, very smart choice, but he's a smart guy. Okay, well, in our little intro stinger, you heard four, sound or three, and then at the end you will hear another one. I promised some of our listeners, Chris Maxey and Ferdinand Reich, both asked me about the sounds that I told you I was going to someday reveal to you. Well, nobody ever came close to guessing them, so... I'm gonna go ahead and tell you what those four sounds are of. Uh, here's the first one. And that is my own CL125S. Uh, all four of these are single cylinders and they all have aftermarket or custom exhausts on them. So, that's why they're probably a little bit hard. Uh, and here is number two. Okay, this one I steered some people wrong because at one point I said that there was a twin in here. And it is not a twin cylinder. I had several different clips that I was combining in and I thought at first... That I had used a clip of a, uh, Norton commando and I actually went back and looked at him and this is not that. So if you were one of the people that was busily trying to win my book and I told you there was a twin, uh, I was wrong.
1: <laughs> and, and, and listening to that, I was just again right now. I'm like, that
0: kind of does sound like my XS 400 a little bit. It is a Ducati single. Ah. It's actually from a YouTube video. This one and the next one were actually bikes running next to each other in the same video clip. They kind of overlap. I can tell it's a Ducati single. I'm guessing it's probably a 350, uh, maybe Diana or something like that. But, uh, it also had an aftermarket pipe on it. It wasn't original. It had just kind of a, a big open baloney slice megaphone on it. Not, not even a megaphone, just a, a big can on it. And, here is number 3. Okay, that's obviously a two stroke that is a Boltaco Matralla. Both of these are in a very cool video. The guy mounted a camera looking at his butt <laughs> behind the seat as he was driving which was kind of really bizarre, but the it had a turtleback seat with a little Boltaco logo on the seat. And it actually is a very cool video because uh, you don't get any wind noise. Since the GoPro was blocked by his body, you got ah. a really nice exhaust sound without a whole lot of wind rush and stuff. So uh, that was him actually starting it up. And uh, I can't tell you exact specs on it or anything like it because it was just from a, a, a YouTube video. And the one at the end was also from a YouTube video. And that one is one that no one would ever guess because it's a very obscure bike that was not sold in the United States. It is a Honda XBR500, which was the bike that the GB500 was made out of when they went retro. Before they made the retro version, they made a modern version that had uh, the boomerang Comstar wheels on it and didn't look old and vaguely British, but uh, had the same engine. And that one obviously had an open pipe on it as well. But you can hear it start up, the electric starter kick in at the beginning of the sound, which is why it kind of would throw people off, because what sounds like that and has an electric starter? Well, I was figuring some bigger Enduro or something like that. So, yeah. yeah. So there you go. Now you know all four of them, and I will keep my book right here on my desk. (laughs) Speaking of books, I uh, picked up a very interesting book, uh, by cycle world called the ultimate motorcycle manual. And it's actually not a manual. It's a, uh, uh, just kind of a like 271 different things. And you open it up and it has like, uh, what you should look for in a helmet. And the next one is why you shouldn't trailer your bike to Sturgis. And it's just all <laughs> kinds of really, but I found it very entertaining. And it was at, it's about a three year old book. I found it for like half price at Tuesday morning. Uh It's by the editors of Cycle World, and I really very much enjoyed that. So that's my my newest purchase.
1: What's well, the best kind of book is a half-price book, you know, other than a free book?
0: Yes. I've been going back and collecting a lot of good old vintage magazines that uh, had reviews that I remember from way back when. In the fall of 79, I went to see Quadrophenia, and suddenly I was, like, real <sighs> interested in Vespas. So I started buying a bunch of books, and I think it was December of that year, Rider Magazine tested the Vespa and Lombretta 200s, and so I bought it because it had scooters in it. But it also, I believe it was that same issue, had a review of the Moto Marini 500 that I immediately fell in love with and ceased to care about scooters at that point <laughs> much at all. Uh, like in the spring, uh, they, they had just introduced the KZ 550 and I wanted one of those for a couple months. And so I was getting into everything. I got my motorcycle license in July of 1980. Well, in January of 81, so uh, less than a year since I'd started riding, I read in Rider magazine, uh, an article by Lane Campbell, uh, who I actually got to meet later on because he was a track announcer at SIR for many years, Uh, he wrote an article on Bull Tacos and how much he liked them and why he liked them. And if any of you would like to read that article, I got permission from Rider Magazine to reproduce it online and uh published it on my old website from, I don't know, whatever it was, five, six, eight years ago. And I will put the link in our Hooniverse post so that uh, you can go out and read The Thing That Made Me Fall in Love with Bull Tacos. Great article. And then a couple of months after that, I want to say like March of that year, Henry N. Manny the Third, if you remember him, he wrote a column for Road and Track and did a lot of freelance writing back when auto journalists were still a very limited number of people. He was kind of one of the old guard. And uh, he wrote an article on a Boltaco TSS 200 from 1962, before they water-cooled their Grand Prix bikes. This is their Grand Prix factory racer. It, it made a big impression on me. It kind of cemented my love for Boltacos, but I could never remember what magazine it was in. And it was kind of like, yeah, I remember reading this story, and I could even quote, like, paragraphs out of it. About a week ago, Cycle World actually posted on their Facebook feed the first page of the article. And I was like, wow! And they told, not only did I now know it was in Cycle World, but they told the issue that it was in. So I was able to go out online, find it on eBay. So for $8.40, I now have a copy of that article. I,
1: at one time, well, till a couple of years ago, had... Most of the magazines I had ever owned um, going back to the early 80s, and that was several hundred, uh, several hundred pounds of magazines. And the reason I know that is because I've had to move them enough times mm-hmm. Um at, at some point when I was like, I was like, I have not looked at any of these things in years as in like four or five plus. So I started purging them and then some of them were purged for me because they were down in the basement. And when the sewers backed up and we had 18 <laughs> inches of water in our basement, <laughs> most of them got ruined because they weren't sitting up on, well, they were on in milk crates that weren't necessarily all like sitting way up above the, the floor. So yeah. Um So I just use that as a, of like, well, here's my chance to purge the rest of them. And and for the most part, I don't care. I, I saved a few, but, um, a couple card car magazines that are kind of particular, but anyways, um, but yeah, that's, that's cool that, uh, to, to go always to circle back and look at stuff and reread some, uh, reviews from way back when, and just see how far things, how far things, how far things have come and yet are still the same.
0: I, uh, I knew I couldn't keep all my magazines because I subscribed to like four or five a month for years from, I think, my junior, senior. Well, from 1981 on probably through 95, maybe. Well, when when the Internet started taking off, I, I started scaling back because I had another way to get my fix. But uh I used to cut out all of the pages that had stuff I, I was interested in and filed them in vertical files, in vanilla mm. envelopes. And I had BMW and I had, you know, uh fairings and and all kinds of, either by subject or by brand, everything that I could think of was in these. And I had a two-drawer file cabinet just overflowing with articles that I had saved over the years. And when I, I want to say when I moved to Idaho, I just looked at it and went, no way. No, I, I, I need to get rid of this. And it was my parents were talking about moving out of the house that I had a, a bedroom at home in. Mm-hmm. And I knew, yeah, I probably need to get rid of these at some point. I'm going to be a thousand. And so I just took them all and. I don't think I recycled them. I think I just took like three trash bags worth and put them at the curb. For years, I I was like, Oh, why'd I do that? I would really like to get at that. Ar-. Now so much is available online and yeah, that yeah. it's like whatever information was in there is outdated. And what isn't outdated, you can find, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I had Joe Minton's, uh, Hop up articles that he used to do for different bikes in motorcyclist for the, he did the Ascot. He did the XS 650. You can find all of those online. Every forum that's dedicated to one of those bikes somewhere. Someone scanned it. Someone scanned in a PDF and has it out there and you can go look at it for free and you don't have to try to store it. So. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the one of the ones that got uh, ruined when the,
1: in the flood was uh, the very first car magazine I ever bought, which was, I want to say it was November 1982 Road and Track. And it was the one with the uh, DeLorean on the cover. Ah. Okay. That was the very first car magazine I ever bought. And I had car and driver, road and track, a few, a few motor trends, not many, but. Um, and a bunch of hot Rod magazines up until like the late 80s, early 90s. I, I had the very first year as a series because I was an original subscriber to Automobile Magazine. Um, and those got ruined. In fact, um, when I interviewed at Automobile Magazine in um, 2007, I think it was, I brought a copy with me and I actually it was the first time I met Jean Jennings and I actually had her autograph that. <laughs> and of course it got destroyed in the flood.
0: Oh, so. that's true. Yeah,
1: so. Anyways, that's, uh.
0: I, I had a, a really interesting, talking about old magazines. I was out at, uh, Lynn and Dorothy Mobley, a couple that, uh, he actually builds Boltaco Motors. In the early 90s, he and his wife used to put on a European, uh, classic British and European motorcycle show in Minden, Nevada. And I was living up in Idaho, and it was a long drive, but I could get down there for it. So I went there every year for three or four years in a row and would go down, visit with them, go to the show. And one year, there's this lady sitting behind a table, and there's all these old magazines. So I'm looking through all the magazines, and I see one that says Dick Mann named Grand National Champion on the cover. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I pick it up and I look at the label on it. The address label it was mailed to is Dick Mann. Oh. oh. And I went, wow. And she's like, Yeah, he's my husband. He's standing over there. I was like, oh wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought it and I eventually sold it only because I had a friend of mine that that had a BSA Gold Star flat track bike like the one he was riding on the cover and mm-hmm. really wanted it so i sold it to him very reasonably i think you know about what i paid for it i think i paid like 10 bucks for it, something like mm. that it sure did make that a really unique find yes and yeah. i did get to i got to meet dick man that day so not bad not bad at all well now that we've uh, covered magazines um all the different sounds that we covered in our little sound contest, I kind of gravitated toward things that sound good to me, and I did not realize I picked all single cylinders. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There are very few four-cylinder bikes that I really love the sound of. Uh, I can remember, I think it was Fred Merkel's and Mike Baldwin were racing the, the original... Interceptors, and I saw them racing superbike. The worst exhaust note you can imagine. They just—they sounded like one long continuous fart. They were <laughs> so that would
1: have been because there were two different crankshafts on those, right? Because at one point there was like a three sixty degree crank, and then there was like a one eighty crank. Right. And it, the three sixty one probably didn't sound that great, but the one eighty one was the one that sounded that
0: had that classic sound or I got that backwards. The original ones, which I think were the 360 degree cranks. Yeah, that's right. Cause they, they went with a 360 crank because they were smoother cause they didn't have any rocking couple. Right. They didn't, they didn't rock side to side from the crank pins going in little circles. And, uh, that one was the original first generation interceptor. And, Everybody thought they just sounded awful, and I was like, "Well, no, it doesn't make that much difference." And then I heard them with an open pipe on the superbikes, and I was like, "Okay, yeah, that's just a really annoying sound." And uh, I didn't think the one eighty sounded all that much better, but I—I I don't. There's not a whole lot of four cylinders that I really enjoy the sound of.
1: So you have to hear a. Modern Aprilia V4, especially if it's got a decent pipe on it, because it's just sexy. It's <laughs> the best way to describe it. I mean, it's, it's ethereal. Um, it's, it's exactly like it, it, it sounds like power. <laughs> um, and when, especially when they, uh, in a, in a race standpoint, if they, if they put it on a, if they're not starting it off the starter button, if they've got one of the, um, starters where you, you put the back, uh, back tire up and mm-hmm, they spin mm-hmm. it up for you. Um, so you, you get that starter noise instead of like a bike starter noise. So it's like, whee, and then that, just fires up to life. It's, uh, you know what I'm gonna have to do? Is instead of,
0: instead of posting pictures, I'm gonna have to have to do YouTube links <laughs> to the sound of everything we're talking about so that yeah. uh, people can hear, experience it. But, uh, I, one of the coolest videos is the uh Honda I don't know what the RC number is on it uh the 5 cylinder 125 Honda somebody's got a YouTube video of that yes. on a starter where you you know they they've got the little pony motor spinning the rear tire and then it kicks in and it's really hard to 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 really perceive how loud they are when you're just listening to, you know, a rec- or, uh, a recording of it on a especially YouTube's sound quality. But there's something about when that starts up, it really gives you an idea of exactly how loud that thing is and that sounds really cool. Yep. Uh, any of any of those Honda multi-cylinder uh Grand Prix bikes just sound incredible. And there's a there's a series of videos that I I don't know if Honda did it or somebody else, but they were kind of like taking out and exercising stuff from Honda's collection on their test track. And they do the RC-166. Mm-hmm. They do their original 1.5-liter uh Formula One car. Oh, yeah. Yep. And they just take them out, and they just kind of drive them around on a big paddock. They don't really you know, race them in anger, but it sounds so in all of those are just beautiful, beautiful sounding machines. I've,
1: uh, I was actually at Laguna when they fired up one of the, I don't know if it was exactly Halewood's bike, but one of the two fifty six cylinders. And it was, it was pretty incredible. It's uh, as, as good as it may sound in, uh, on, on, on YouTube, it, it sounds even better in real life. So it's, is it one of my favorites? No, but it's such a unique sound. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's definitely something you got to hear.
0: I don't even remember who, who was on the bike. It's like in Finland or something. And one of the old, I don't remember if it was an MV or a Benelli. Four cylinder grand prix bike that one of the old uh racers was was taking around on I don't know if it was a vintage racer or just a parade lap, but it's really a cool video because you you hear it for like thirty seconds before it passes there's mm-hmm. they're they're in the forest and you can hear it and it's reverberating from places unseen gradually getting louder and you can just tell how loud this thing is and then it goes by and you get that doppler effect of the you know as soon as it passes you hear the the pitch drop as it goes away and it's like that to me is just pure music and people who aren't gearheads will never get that yeah so on
1: my list is uh sort of ducati 851 888 that time of time frame, those V-twins, uh, especially with the dry clutch, that was um, th- those things. I, there's a, I always have a memory of going to Mid-Ohio and uh, Doug Poland going down the backstretch at Mid-Ohio just at song and then rolling off the throttle to go into the S's there. And it's it's just a fantastic sound. I'll have to try and, and find that so you can put that in but, uh, and Ducati V-Twin with relatively open pipes. Yeah. It's, uh, that, that era was just, it, especially with the dry
0: clutch. It just sounds so good. Dry clutches are one of those things that it's got to be on the right bike. Cause yep. there are times it just sounds like your bike's falling apart. I think I've, I've heard <laughs> some Ducatis that it's like, Oh, shut that thing up. Um, uh, Motor Marines with dry clutches sound really cool. There's another video I have to put in, and it's a guy has, I think it's like a 250, two-stroke. And he takes it out, and rides it, but then he gets off and gets on a 500 Moto Marini with an open megaphone on it. Oh. And it just sounds incredible. And unfortunately, there's a lot of wind noise, and it was just, you know, obviously a handheld camcorder with the internal mic. So sure. there's a whole bunch of ambient noise and cars going by and stuff, but he just takes it up and goes down the street and back. And it's just, just sounds incredible. And, uh, and I really like two strokes. Oh yeah. And, and unfortunately it's like, okay, get, yeah, I, I can't waste my time. listening to that. I need to jump to the, to the Marini. So,
1: um, uh, I used to have a playlist of RZ five hundreds with people, especially with people who had put pipes on them. Um, you know, doing flyby. So pretty much any V4 two-stroke is going to sound really good. Um, and I'll see if I can find one really quick here on on YouTube. Flyby. So well, sound probably would have been a better one. So as we're talking live, because this make,
0: <laughs> makes for great radio. And by the way, my uh New Year's resolution like all went by the wayside. I wasn't going to edit these. Yeah. Last week I edited out like 8 minutes total. <laughs> <laughs> it took me like the whole week. I just every free moment I was going in and listening to a little bit more and like, "No, that that I said something stupid. That's not accurate. Pull that out." Or I just sat there and went, "Um, yeah, uh 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 yeah. I will tell you another bike that I've never heard sound bad, regardless of the exhaust on it or the tune, is three-cylinder Levertas. Oh, oh God, yeah. That is just, just one of those haunting, chilling, all your hair stands up when you hear it. It's better with an open pipe, but even with the stock pipes quiet, it still sounds really good.
1: Uh So would that be like uh no? The Yodas were thousand cc's, weren't they? Um I'm Trying to think, seven fifty. What was a seven fifty one?
0: Or no, no, no. Yeah, it was. It was the, the seven fifty was the twin that looked like the old dream oh, motor. Right, and, right, 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 right. Sorry, I was thinking of the triple. Right, uh, the Laverta triple. Yeah, right, that, so. that was 1, 1,200s. And yep. they had one hundred and eighty degree cranks and one hundred and twenty degree cranks on them. And the 180 degree is kind of weird because it sounds like a four cylinder bike that dead on one, you know, has one dead cylinder that's not firing on a cylinder. It's it's uh, yeah, I'm gonna dead. Yes, have to that's
1: week. exactly what it, that's exactly what that sounds like. <laughs> so I've just put one in and uh, and I'm listening to it. So
0: as I said last week, if anybody listens, hey, that's just a bonus. Exactly.
1: It's radio for us. You're just along for the ride. <laughs> of course, so many modern bikes are so over muffled for EPA or just, you know, regulations. Um, it's hard to get that nice sound out of them, but eh, you get it occasionally.
0: Yeah, I am surprised how much liquid cooling changes the sounds of bikes. If you mm-hmm. listen to like an old air-cooled KZ-1000, even if it's got a megaphone on it, it's you know a real loud exhaust, and then you listen to like uh a six hundred ninja you get so many more pings and and kind of harmonics out of an air cooled motor that you don't when it's water cooled. I don't know if if it were going by you'd notice it because you just hear exhaust, but when you're on the bike, it sounds a whole lot different when you don't hear all you hear is the exhaust and you miss something when when they're liquid cooled mm-hmm yeah the water the
1: water the water jackets, and all that extra metal around the around the engine you just muffle up all the mechanical sounds from it um it's it is especially valve train noise somehow it covers up some of the valve train noise, so it's interesting speaking of sounds and and stuff like that I always remember um when I rode my r z five hundred i I always wore plugs just because. So you, when you ride on the bike, you know, you ride your bike, you've got plugs, you're, you're used to the way it sounds. Well, I remember one time going for a ride and I forgot to put my plugs in because I was in a hurry or something. And like five minutes into the ride, I'm like, holy crap, all these noises my bike's making. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're like, you got to calm, calm down for a couple of minutes going, nope, those are just the noises it makes. And you're just not used to hearing them because you're killing some of that noise with the, with the plugs.
0: Well, if, if you go back and you listen to the recording of my 125, the very first one of those four sounds, uh, it's amazing how much the, the, I think it's the cam chain. Now, like, it's, it's not out of adjustment or nothing, nothing wrong, but those little 125s make an awful lot of noise for an overhead cam engine.
1: Is it just cause there's not a lot to absor- or there's not a lot around it to, to absorb?
0: And I think it's not a big tank. So you've kind of almost got to, you know, direct straight to your ears. Gotcha. Yeah. I'll tell you another one that's really cool is, uh, the guy that builds the, the replica board trackers. Mm-hmm. Paul Brody is the guy's name. I think I've talked about him before, but I'm going to have to include a video of his first startup. I think it was the overhead cam Excelsiors, which are legendary because Ignacio Schwinn destroyed them all when his protege was killed on one. And they only raced like I think once or twice or part of a season or something. But mm-hmm. uh that is a an old like 1919 19 V-Twin with open pipes that just sounds incredible. You know, one that people say they really like that has never impressed me is the CBX. I really like CBXs, but I don't find, even though it's a six-cylinder, I don't find the exhaust note all that much different from a regular, any other UJM. It kind of sounds like a Honda. Mm -hmm. Um, And people are, oh, it's like ripping silk. I'm like, no, it just kind of sounds like a Honda four-cylinder bike. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, yeah, I. It's been so long since I heard, since I heard a, a the inline six with like, just at all, let alone with a pipe or anything like that. It's, I, I can't even recall it. But it, yeah, it, it's not sewing machine ish, but kind of.
0: <laughs> I found the video on the one twenty five five cylinder Honda GP bike starting up, and it's just amazing to listen to it. <laughs> This will be of no use to anyone unless you go to Hooniverse and go look at all of these videos. Yep. What's the Billy Joel lyric? There's a new sound thing in town, but you can't get the sound from a story in a magazine. So yep. Yep. You need to go, need to go listen.
1: Oh, yeah. About about a minute five into that video is, (laughs) is where you really, where it really gets interesting.
0: (laughs) And it just, and it just distorts the mic all the hell. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's about 170 decibels right there without a problem. <laughs> Will cause hearing damage.
0: Yeah. Which is an important aspect. Even a stock motorcycle riding it on the highway without pipes on it, you know, with the, with the standard modern exhaust, can damage your hearing just from the wind blast. So oh, yeah. um I can remember as a kid, Going to the drag races, and there'd be these, you know, just V8 funny cars going, and guys not even covering their ears. As a that, kid, I always had my hands over my ears every time somebody was going to run, just because I didn't like it. But I mm-hmm, think nowadays that, people are a little more. No,
1: that was me. Um, one of the tracks that was about an hour from my house, uh, hour north, of Martin uh, One Thirty One. They'd always have one or two shows a summer where they'd bring fuel, fuel funny cars in. And at the time, you could be about 25, 30 feet away from it at the starting line. You were behind barriers and stuff, but you still were relatively close. And yeah, that was me up there, no hearing protection, not covering my ears. And when they hammered it, I mean, it was loud enough at idle, but yeah, when they hammered it, no, nope, that was me. It's also why when I go into any uh, building, or especially in restaurants where they have high ceilings and no acoustic treatment. And there's a lot of people in there that all I hear is din. I can't hear someone can be lit a foot away from me talking loud and I can barely hear them. All I hear is din. So um if it's quiet, I can hear great, but if there's any kind of noise, yeah. And, and I blame a lot of it on being stupid and young and standing right by fuel funny cars with God knows how loud those things were, <laughs> you know, protect your hearing kids. It'll pay dividends later in life.
0: Yeah. I, uh, fortunately, I, uh, as a young man in the army in an aviation unit, boy, do they drill into you earplugs, earplugs, Cause you're around helicopters all the time. And I put earplugs in when I mow the lawn, when I'm doing anything. And I still have really good hearing at 54 because of it.
1: In the last couple of years, I have started wearing like earplugs just to listen to like music or whatever. When I, when I mow the grass and stuff, I don't know. At some point you realize lawnmowers actually are really, really loud. They're and not loud for a minute, but they're loud if you go out and do it for an hour. Yes. The the long-term wear, which it, hopefully in another couple of years, battery technology gets the point where when I get a new lawnmower, because I need one kind of, I can just get a battery one. That way it's quiet, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So there's something to that. But somehow I think mine's going to bite the dust before we get to that point. Because I want to be able to do it on one charge, and my yard's just just a little too big to probably be doing it on one charge.
0: Uh One thing that I need to include in the Huniverse post for this, a while back I got permission to upload to Huniverse an old Kirker promotional audio tape that they sent out, back when they would actually send out a cassette tape to motorcycle dealerships, and it was Kirker interviewing Eddie Lawson, or he was like their Ooh. spokesperson. And it was all about uh, how Kirker exhausts make your bike work better. The sound of power, I think, was it. You can actually click on the audio link right in the article and listen to the, I don't know, it's it's a minute or two long. And it's got some really interesting exhaust sounds in there. that They're talking about... Your motorcycle can't run right if it doesn't sound right, and they compare different <laughs> exhaust notes on it. And stuff. Yeah, okay. And obviously, we're sitting here listening to these as we <laughs> as we're recording. I just dropped one in. It's a
1: it was a Kawasaki MotoGP bike from 2008, I believe, and I don't remember if this they ever brought this particular engine out. Although they tested extensively, it was called the Screamer. And so this is a 800 uh, cc four cylinder inline four cylinder from Kawasaki, and it sounds exactly like a Formula One bike on the fly, or a Formula One V10 Formula One, car. Like, as it goes uh, as it goes screaming by the front straight at uh, Herath. So I remember that video when that popped up; everyone was just drooling over it. But I don't think they ever raced that engine configuration. Seeing if I could find an old uh, yeah. So is this? Wow okay, that's a nine minute video, but it's got a bunch of different stuff in it, but what I was looking for was an old M v Agusta Grand Prix bike, oh yeah, yeah, and it's is Kirby Park, so I'm gonna guess this is vintage on road racing in Ireland kind of thing based off of the signs and there's a roundabout and stuff like that, so could be u k but
0: I just found the video I was talking about uh it was an MV Agusta 500 ridden by Jacques Moagustini in 2005 at uh, Imatra in Finland oh, okay at a vintage race and uh it just takes forever for the bike to get there and the sound just builds slowly it's, it's another good impression of exactly how loud these things are yeah the um I came across an old Early
1: 80s race, uh, grand you know, MotoGP. Well, what was kind of called before it was called MotoGP, but, um, and it was like a race from like Finland or Sweden or something from like 81, 82, where they had like three or four cameras for the whole race. Right. <laughs> and it's like, right. it's like, it's funny to watch just what racing coverage was like back then and how little of it you actually got. Um, actually, most like almost like being at the
0: track because you see two, two, three corners if you're lucky. Right. Well, I'll yeah, tell you, an- cool. one of, one of the, my favorite sounds with the right exhaust are Triumph Tridents and BSA Rocket Threes, the old vintage three cylinders. Triumph triples usually sound pretty
1: good. Um, not all, but most of them sound pretty good, uh,
0: especially if they've got a reasonable pipe on them. There's one of them I just put in the Skype chat. One of, I think, the best showcases of exactly how good those can sound. It's a it's a built custom that sounds pretty cool. You know, and a lot of people really love the sound of Harleys. Uh, The potato, potato, potato. It just doesn't do a thing for me. And it's not because that syncopation, it's just they don't have much character. They just have volume. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yes. I think that's a good uh good description of I that. Think
0: some of it is that you usually don't have a whole lot of RPM changes. You know, you're cruising around two, three thousand RPM driving around, so they always sound the same. The the thing
1: that's always stuck in my head with Harleys, especially with people who put pipes on them, is they'll whack the throttle and you get a lot of noise, but there's not a whole lot of acceleration to go with it, right? I mean it's like it's like there's a whole lot of noise that seems to be going on forever and there's not like they're really accelerating away from you right. so it'll go away quickly. It's
0: just. Now, it's I, I have just to there. say, I have seen some of the, some of the dedicated Harley drag bikes. Oh, well yeah. That are, that are really impressive and they have no cylinder finning on them. You know, they, they're just a quarter mile bike so they don't even have any cooling fins on the cylinders. But again, it's just a massive Wall of sound that doesn't intrigue me. It just like, wow, it still sounds like noise to me. Yeah. Yes. There's a difference between noise and music. Exactly. I was
1: going to say, there's no musicality to it. So, um, it's, you know, and it's like, like music, it is a taste thing too, though, right? I mean, because there's how many people think that Harleys are the greatest sounding thing ever? So it's like, okay, if you say so. But, uh,
0: yeah, don't, uh, do not agree. Now, I have to say, I was really surprised. Somebody, I just said I don't like four-cylinder bikes much. There was a guy that I was at a, uh, not even a bike meet. It was just a gathering, street-side gathering, and I didn't have my bike with me. I was just, she kind of showed up. I was like, well, what is everybody doing over here? And a guy had a Seka 2 in Europe, the Diversion 600, XJ 600 Seca 2 which is a not terribly powerful or impressive motor, this guy had open exhausts on it. And I was like, well, that that's just annoying and stupid. And <laughs> he pulled away and just didn't romp on it real hard, but just kind of gave a nice smooth twist to the throttle in first gear as he was out into traffic. Mm-hmm. It sounded really nice. And I was like... <laughs> Wow. That, that did sound good. Overall, I am, I am not a big proponent of super loud bikes. I think they do more, more. I know loud pipes save lives and all that, but I think they cost us goodwill yeah. among the public. Yep. I agree. And, uh, I say that <laughs> when I had my Honda FT500 Ascot, it had a White Brothers cam carb pipe and It had a super trap stack, the stack of discs and there was, I don't know, 12 or 14 discs in (sighs) there. And it was loud enough that we rode to the racetrack and one of my friends that was on a, on a Goldwing says, you need to ride the back. I'm not riding behind you anymore. It's like, okay. And I thought about that years later when I was riding with a group of spiders and one of the women in our group had a obnoxiously loud pipe on her spider. For no apparent reason other than her husband had a Harley. So mm. loud is good. After a couple of minutes, I'm like, Oh, she's got to get behind me. I got to figure out some way to get. I'm going to pull over and stop for a while or something. Cause I need to get away from this exhaust noise. It was really annoying. And I kind of flashed back to riding the racetrack on my bike and going, Oh yeah, I was, I was kind of being a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I am, um, I always remember
1: one of the reasons I was never like big into some of the vintage racing, especially like seventies bikes. Is um, I was helping friends out at a. It was a combination. We were a race where it was like modern bikes and then some vintage classes are racing too. And we were pitted near a bunch of people with like CB350s and, you know, 350, 450, 500, four cylinder twins, whatever. And all of them just had megaphones on them. Mm. And it was just like, after about an hour of that, you're just like, no. <laughs> It just I mean I understand the appeal to a point but it was like it just got to be too much. So yeah. it's like um and nowadays I don't think you can do that I'm I'm pretty sure everyone requires you to run some kind of can on it to for for noise attenuation. So
0: friend of mine we were talking about noise limits and stuff and he says let's face it the only noise meter you need to care about is the sheriff's ears. <laughs> if you get pulled over it's too loud, regardless of what the decibel level is. And if you can get away with it, it's not too loud. But I, yeah. I don't necessarily subscribe to that because I think there are a lot of people who get annoyed who aren't law enforcement people who are just going to complain about those nasty motorcyclists. They just, they're annoying. And then they want to do things like not let you drive in the city center and stuff like that, or not drive on the scenic drive because all motorcycles are really loud when nowadays they're not.
1: Well, uh, on, and it's for that reason, I think that, um, really nice drive, um, but you can only do it in a car is 17 mile drive mm-hmm. south of Monterey. No motorcycles allowed on that road.
0: Yeah. That's a private road, isn't it?
1: I think technically it is. Yes.
0: I, and, and I know the AMA has really fought saying, Hey, wait, if the state licenses motorcycles to ride on the roads, you can't arbitrarily say there are some roads you can't drive on. But I know that's one that that it's a private drive, and they can do whatever they want because it's not the yep. the state permitting you to be on there.
1: So I, when the, that that also reminds me of a funny story is um, Supercross legend Jerry, Jeremy McGrath, who I met a few times, pretty decent guy. He lived in a subdivision or a community in California where. He could not ride motorcycles in or out of the community.
0: Interesting.
1: And he's <laughs> a supercross champion, you know, and it's like, yep, no motorcycles allowed. Well, you could have them, but you could not start them or ride them within the community.
0: This past uh, trip we took to Quebec City, in the old city, you cannot take motorcycles in there. They have signs saying no motorcycles past this point. Hmm. So, and I'm sure that is a sound issue
1: yeah um
0: probably wait. wait i'm sorry quebec city
1: yeah okay you said quebec city and that's what i heard and then that montreal registered in my head i'm like oh wait i'll, I'll ask benjamin he lives in montreal but obviously no i'm trying to think if i know anyone who lives in quebec city but i don't think i do which is unusual considering all the canadian motorcycle racers i know quebec's quite a ways from where you are <laughs> Yeah, no, but what I'm saying is from going to, going to races up in Canada and oh, knowing uh, all, yeah, the, yeah. all the guys who race mm-hmm. there off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone who's from Quebec City.
0: As we're including videos here and talking about sound, I can't not include a, uh, a Boltaco. Know, uh, yeah. <laughs> a, a Boltaco Persang out in the desert. There's something about that sound that I just, that has so many incredibly good memories attached to it for me that, uh, it just makes me smile, whether it's street or dirt. That one particular has really nice audio quality, and it's a and it's a big 360. They sound a little bit throatier than the smaller ones. So. Let's see if this is the one that
1: I'm thinking of. So I thought someone at one point in time, one of the uh, – back when I was racing, and I ended up not racing this one for some reason, but when we raced the 125 – Uh, can-am car gp bikes at most port and there were 37 of us or 37 bikes on the starting grid and when they took off it was it was really cool and i thought someone had shot a video and that it was somewhere on youtube but apparently it's not which is a bummer i have to see if i can find that there's the four stroke 125r challenge bikes or cup bikes but not the uh not the two strokes which is unfortunate anyways just thinking of a bunch of two strokes all starting at the same time sound like an angry, a pack of angry bees.
0: Yeah. Uh, I got to hear a, uh, what do I want to say? Maybe 76, 77, 50 CC, uh, Grand Prix bike startup, Mm. uh, an old, I want to say it was a Morbidelli or a Kreidler or something like that. Uh, whatever was big at that time. And, uh, that was a remarkable sound. Oh, and that wasn't even imagine. one of the 60s really wild, you know, 14-speed three-cylinder. one. It was just a six-speed 50cc single, but it sounded incredible. I think some of it is two-strokes that are tuned really well. It's like a violin. Yeah. If it's in tune perfectly, it sounds great. It The least little bit out of tune, and it <laughs> just sounds awful. Well, should we wrap up there? I think that's a good spot. I've got uh all our videos in our in our Skype chat. So this will be an easy week for me to put together my post. I am including the videos that all of our sounds came from, including the one where you're looking at the guy's butt on the metrallo, which actually is actually a really nice video because of the the really crisp, clear exhaust sound that you can hear on it. Okay. Well, hopefully Garrett will be with us next week. Yeah. As always, go to hooniverse.com. We appreciate our affiliation with them. You can check us out on Facebook. We're trying to include more stuff there. Uh, I don't think Garrett's put anything up on the Twitter account anytime recently.
1: I last thing I know, I posted last week when the episode came out. I haven't had been so busy with work; I haven't had a chance to post either yesterday or today for last week's episode. But uh, we'll get that out.
0: Okay, ride safe and. We will see you next time. See ya. So long.